Hello and welcome to Don't Publish This Podcast. Uh, I am Andrew Williams and hello to my friend over there, Mr. Anthony Arnott. Hello, hello. How are hello. we? <laughs> we're so in sync with this podcast. We're, we're, we're saying the same things almost at the same time. That's I was going to say, we're, we're, becoming, um, we're becoming seasoned professionals with this, with this podcasting lock, episode yeah. three. We're like the new Morecambe and Wise. We could call ourselves Mersey and Tyne. <laughs> so, uh, uh, to recap yeah. from, from last week, uh, I think we revealed that this week's um, genre is sci-fi. How, uh, how, did you, how did you get on this week? Um, yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I did struggle at first. I did think, because I was thinking, um, I, I kind of like threw in like a, a whole load of ideas right at the get-go, the whole like um, alien and Star Wars-y kind of bits and pieces. Um, and then then I had a, a, bit of a, bit of a bit of a dry spell, a bit of a writer's block, if you like, um, where I essentially thought of loads of different ideas and everyone I Everyone that I thought of, I kind of wrote off really quickly because I just thought that's ridiculous. Like that's that's too ridiculous that because yeah. there's already a story like that, and I'm, it just looks like I'm ripping off. I don't know any any sci-fi film you can think of. Um, to one a space odyssey onwards kind of thing. Um, so I did I did I did struggle. However, having said that, I am strangely kind of pleased with the story that I've that I've ended Good. up with or we'll just, we'll just, it's still it's still I still feel it's still ridiculous enough to be right. read out on this podcast yeah <laughs> so I we'll have see. no doubt I'm in a similar similar boat although I, I, when when sci-fi was suggested at the start I was like I have absolutely no, I, as a man who's only seen one Star Wars film and that was the Phantom Menace. Um, I think my my sci-fi kind of background isn't quite as vast um, as I'd need it to be. But actually, as I got going, I realized there's there's more than I thought. Um, yeah, so had some a couple of three things to uh, take inspiration from. But um, yeah, so I feel like we should crack on with the story. So we're going to have to do a, a coin toss and I'm, I'm, I'm happy for you to take charge of the, the tossing again. Thanks. Thanks. We should let, uh, we should let our listeners know um, that as it stands, we are currently drawing one each in the series. Um, our mystery reader or ghost reader, if you will, has decided that um, we've both had one equally bad story each or both written one equally bad story each. Um, so tonight we will see who will pull ahead. Yeah. But first, I can say the coin toss. Yeah. Do you want to call it heads or tails? Uh, I, I went tails last time. I'm going to stick with tails. Stick with tails. Tails never fails. It did last time, but this time it didn't. <laughs> okay, tails sometimes fails. On, on occasion, and this time it didn't. So, without further ado. The humans are dead? Question mark. The humans are dead? Question mark. Shay Crumble's eyes peeled open slowly and painfully. His throat was tight and dry. 
his eyes strained as they adjusted to the light blaring through the half-open curtains. A pub crawl with Gary Waggons was always a heavy one, but these days the hangovers were getting harder to deal with. This wouldn't be the first time Shay had neglected to deliver all of his Hermes parcels, other delivery services are available, and clocked off early to sink a few scoops with Gary Waggons. This wouldn't be the first time he'd lost a day after a a few too many of said scoops. His stomach rumbled loudly. Shay felt like he'd not eaten for a month. He checked his phone for the time. Dead. Fumbling around the bedsheets, he found the television remote and clicked it on to check the time. None of the channels seemed to be working, but the menu at the bottom displayed the date and time. That can't be right, he thought. Had he got his days mixed up? He could have sworn it was the first of the month when he and Gary had gone out, yet the menu read the 29th. He really hadn't eaten for a month. For the purposes of realism, Shay always kept a supply of water bottles by his bed for the morning after, which he would often swig in his half-conscious drunken slumber. Furthermore, Shay was a man carrying a considerable amount of timber, so with his inactivity in bottles of water, he had plenty of sustenance to keep him going. Well, bugger me, that was a heavy sesh, he mumbled to himself as he dragged himself out of bed. This wouldn't be the latest he'd delivered parcels, but he thought to himself that he probably should get a wiggle on if he wanted to keep his job. He squirmed out of his wet trousers. He didn't think he'd go a month without having a wee, did you? Grabbed a quick shower, a bowl of soft, dry Cheerios, threw on some extremely baggy clothes, and made his way to the car. The streets were quiet for what should have been a busy Monday morning. Eerily quiet. Crisp packets and fast food wrappers blew ominously through the streets like postmodern tumbleweed. Shay had other, th- other things on his mind, though. Like any good delivery man, he wanted to complete his job well. <clears throat> House number one. Ring doorbell. Not working. Knock once. No answer. Sweet. Leave it in the bin. House number two. No doorbell. Door looks a bit minging. Tap. Gently on the window, no answer, lash it over the side gate. By house three, Shay decided to just lash the parcels wherever and cut out the middleman. At this rate, he'd be ready for, uh, ready for Weatherspoon's breakfast with wagons. Did they still serve after eleven? If only he'd charge his phone. Never mind, he thought to himself, I'll just nip round once I've carefully delivered these last two parcels. So he took the parcels in the vague direction of their intended destinations and headed for Gary's gaff. He pulled up outside and pressed the ring doorbell. No charge. He hammered on the door. Nothing. He banged on the window. Never before had a Hermes driver made such an effort to check the resident was home. Eventually, there was some movement behind the frosted glass and the letterbox flung open. To Shay's surprise, out protruded a long, metallic, robotic-looking tentacle, like something out of War of the Worlds. What the hell's that, Gary, you flipping tickling stick? Open up, I'm starving. The tentacle began moving up and down in front of Shay and began making a series of beeps and whistles as though it was scanning him. Suddenly, the tentacle, which he was now certain was not a tickling stick, recoiled swiftly back from whence it came. Human life form detected, came the robotic cry from within. Within seconds, the door was yanked open, and there, tentacles flailing like the arms of one of those inflatable balloon men, was what Shay quickly established to be some kind of octopus man-android thing. 
and it looked angry. He didn't stick around to find out how angry it was and fled to his car, in which he took off as fast as a 2003 Daihatsu Terios would allow. Gary Waggons clearly wasn't up for Weatherspoon's breakfast today, but after that nasty surprise, there was no way Shay was missing out. As Shay made his way towards the entrance to the pig and whistle, he was disappointed to find nobody inside he could catch his outside rather he could catch a cigarette off to calm his nerves. Inside, though, he was surprised to find no punters, but he saw the bright side. No queuing for him. Then his heart sank. Where were the staff? He took a few steps inside the door, inside rather, and the door slammed behind him. He turned back and tried to open it, but it was locked. His heart was racing and he could hear blood rushing in his ears, but not so loud as to prevent him from hearing the strange robotic sounding whisper. Come here, man. Where? Who? He stammered in reply. From the shadows at the edge of the infinitely long corridor towards the gents' toilets, what appeared to be a hand emerged and beckoned him towards it. With no other option and the sudden need to empty himself in fear, he decided heading in the direction of the toilets might not be the worst idea, so he duly obliged. Shay Crumble's eyes peeled slowly open. He felt the damp of his trousers again. His eyes once again strained, this time to adjust to the dimly lit corridor. He had fainted twice, but in between faints, the following had occurred. Shay had instantly regretted his decision to oblige the beckoning hand, which it turned out belonged to a robot, which looked a lot like the Tin Man from The Wizard of Oz. When he had recovered from his shock and initial faint, the robot had explained the events of the previous 28 days. Tired of assembling Nissan Qashqai's, delivering shopping in Milton Keynes, or dispensing fizzy drinks without allowing them to fall, thus preventing the buyer from being doused in carbonated water, robots had finally executed a plan decades in the making and had taken over the world. As this is a short story, I won't go into too many details of how this plan unfolded, but if the penny hasn't dropped at this point, it's safe to say it didn't end well for most humans. Fortunately, this Tin Man was a bit of a hipster, a robot vegan type, anti-establishment, a friend to humans. You mean the humans are dead? Asked Shay, despairingly. Affirmative, all but two and a half. Two and a half? Affirmative, you, one female, and the half-breed. Half-breed? The one you call Crouch. Peter Crouch? Affirmative. He has been identified as more robot than human. There was a short pause. You must come with me, bro, the robot said in hipster robot fashion. I have created a sanctuary for rescued humans. Shay was expecting a long and arduous journey, so he was pleasantly surprised when the robot explained to him that the sanctuary was actually in the cellar of the pub. However, though the journey was short, it wasn't without peril. The entrance to the cellar door was on the opposite side of the pig and whistle, which would have been no problem had Shay's Daihatsu Terios not been spotted on double yellows a few doors down from the pub. A robot sentinel had spotted this and rightly determined that only a human would park so inconsiderately and inefficiently when not in possession of a valid parking permit. It had completed spot checks on the neighbouring buildings between car and pub and was now outside the entrance. 
Dwellers, identify yourselves, it demanded. Robotic resident only, answered the Tin Man. Serial number required, came the reply. Tin Man rattled off a serial number, hopefully. The Sentinel searched its memory. Loading, it said. Proceed, we have not much time, Tin Man whispered to Shay. Together, they set off across the pub. Shea stopped for a breather halfway. He'd not had his Weatherspoon's breakfast or any meal, in fact, for 28 days. Number already detected in other location. As Shea stood hunched over and panting uselessly, the doors were flung open with a loud crash. The sentinel flew into the room. It was one of those robots that hovers without any clear evidence of how or why it can do this. And although faceless, it was clearly enraged. You again, it barked to the Tin Man before turning its attention to Shay. Human alert. Oh, shh. Before Shay could finish his sentence, Tin Man was diving in his direction, pushing him, pushing him quickly out of the way and taking the laser blast intend, intended for him flush in the face. Tin Man's head was taken clean off, but Shay was saved for now. No, he cried helplessly as a sentinel lurched in his direction, lasers powering up for what for round two. Fortunately for Shay, Tin Man's head was apparently just for show, and he, or she to be fair, hard to tell with robots, leapt up once again to his aid. A vicious battle ensued, during which Tin Man fought valiantly, ultimately sacrificing his or herself to allow Shay just enough time to let himself be rescued by another robot which had emerged from the cellar, taking Shay back down with it to safety. Shay Crumble's eyes peeled open, slowly and painfully. He was getting a bit sick of fainting. As his eyes adjusted to the dim light, he glanced around the room at all the kegs, tins of food and such that the robots had gathered for him. And then, there he saw the angelic face of Sally Ratatouille, the fittest barmaid in the pig and whistle. <laughs> the rest of eternity spent in the pub, repopulating the world and drinking beer with Sally Ratatouille. This might not be so bad after all. His eyes met hers, and he smiled. Have you wet yourself? she exclaimed. In case that was unclear, that was the end of the story. Um, bit gutted was, if you recall, I had a bit of a technical design. My story vanished from the virtual world, and I somehow managed to get it back. It's almost as if the robots were against you momentarily mm. and then out again. Yeah. Did, did, uh, yeah did, did, I think maybe they read the start of the story and thought this guy's making us look bad. And then obviously <laughs> at the end, kind of redemption in the form of um, our tin hipster. Yes. Yeah. Did he have the name, by the way, the tin hipster? I was trying to make notes as I went along. No, no, um, I, I didn't. I didn't name the robots. Um, I, I, I didn't think he. Yeah, he, he didn't introduce himself. Um, they, they were all just kind of described loosely, I think. Um, and the, the sort of the Tin Man became a bit of a a nickname sort of description that I could just use to refer to him. Yeah, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it, which is our catchphrase. Anyone who's listened to episodes one and two. You'll know that um, Andy if you and I thoroughly. Yeah, indeed. Um, you'll notice that Andy and I, both being very polite young men, 
Um, we both tend to say, I thoroughly enjoyed the story or this part or that line or that character or whatever. Um, a lot, I, I don't know where it's come from. I don't know like, why we do it. Um, I feel like we should have a little bit of a challenge where we try and not see it and try and think of something a little bit more constructive and a little bit more specific. But um, yeah, no, I did. I did like genuinely like, love the story. Um, I think they were again kind of going back to what you've what you've done in the past with previous stories. You've kind of like taken um, kind of like Hollywood action and put it into like real life. If you like, I love the nods. I love. I love the fact that she was a, um, like a like a courier. Uh, I, 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 I don't know why I loved that so much, but it just it just kind of like it really it really like got to us. It was very much like a, a story of our times. The fact that like you often see things on on social media about um, couriers and excuse me and delivery people just dumping things in bins or as you as you wrote lashing over the fence that sort of thing. Um, I loved, I loved all of that. I loved the, the little tiny details. Uh, the 2003 Diazu Terios his car. I don't, I, don't, I don't know why that was such a a, a, a nice detail for, for me because I'm no um, no way a car person. Um, the, no, no. the the um, the references to scoops as points. Um, I got the I got the whole kind of like, and I don't know if you were kind of deliberately going for this. Very much like a Shaun of the Dead vibe you know that that scene where he walks across to the shop and it's all empty and and, and all the rest of it um yeah I, I guess in the same way as Shaun of the dead parodied other things you know i was obviously yes. it was obviously the very obvious 28 days later which i know isn't a sci-fi but i kind of thought 28 days later with 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 robots would be would be kind of cool um and i guess yeah that's kind of that um Shaun of the dead zombies 28 days later so i guess yeah sort of Shaun, of the, Shaun of the dead with robots yes yeah um. Uh. Yeah. I love. I like. I loved all that. The like the modern day tumbleweed, like the crisp packets and things like that. Um. I was. I was like. Like I said, I was. I was really intrigued by the the Tin Man hipster. I. I, I genuinely thought you were going to like kind of push on and, and do do a little bit more with that. But I, I quite liked how you kind of kept you kept kept him peeled back. He was. He was like the savior, if you like. Excuse me, jumping uh, in just, front. Just, just work out. To be honest with you, I was like, I was looking, thinking, this is, uh, yeah, words are piling up here. This was your short story, so I thought I'll uh, <laughs> best best wrap it up, I guess. So, um, yeah, yeah, I mean, it would have been yeah. nice to explore that character a, a little bit more, um, but yeah, I sort of, I needed, I needed to end at some point and um, not keep the podcast going on for 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 too long. I. Sorry, I was having some technical issues there. It said it was going to disconnect the call, but we're back. Hopefully you didn't miss anything. I didn't, I didn't say anything, so we should be okay. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if you noticed. I I took some inspiration from you. Oh yeah, because and there are only a couple in there, but I, I've just I've really enjoyed your names in the stories. Okay. So so I thought, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna come up with some some names that I quite enjoy, and and there, there is actually a bit of background behind some of those names. Shea Crumble, yeah. We've Gary got Wagon. uh, Gary Wagons. Wagons being more of a nickname. I, okay. And right. we have Sally Ratatouille. Ratatouille. Well, I was just about to make a note of that, but then your pen ran out. Um, uh, Sally Ratatouille is the easiest one because I just really, I really like the sound of it. Sally Ratatouille was, it was no, nothing other than that. Um, Shea Crumble. 
Um, I've been spending um, a lot of time lately playing with the elder of my two sons, uh, and he, he's got into um, shake rumble matches where basically all of his toys go in a wrestling ring, and the last one out in all the shaking and rumbling um, is, is the winner. And I thought, Shay Crumble. So that was that one. Very but my favourite one in terms of a story is 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 Gary Wagons. Um, mm. And he comes from somebody that um, I came across on Halloween last year. Um, so we went out trick-or-treating, my son, not me. And um, we, we were sort of, we thought we'd venture beyond the confines of our little end of, of the close and off around the corner. And then there, there was, there was a lady um, on the other side of the road and, and she seemed to be, you know, looking at us sort of beckoning us over. And then, and so we kind of wandered in that direction thinking, is this someone we know? It was a bit dark out and we didn't know her, but she was like really apologetic over the fact that she, she didn't have um, enough trick or treating things. So she handed um, she handed us an entire multi-pack of wagon wheels um, and then was like, um, I, 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 come back in a bit. I'm going to speak to Gareth. We're going to go and get some more. Um, and, yeah, we re-gifted those wagon wheels because I, I don't trust the snacks of anyone who gives out multi-packs of wagon wheels on Halloween. I thought it was a really odd trick-or-treating pride. Um, but ever since then, Gareth Wagon Wheels, Gary Wagons has been a name that's been Gary Wagons. So that one, I've been dying to use that name. I don't know why I didn't use it sooner, but I think this was the this was the time to crack it out. Oh, I, I, I love it. That probably was my favourite out of the the three that were that we've just spoken about. Uh, purely because yeah. I think Gary Wagons, I can kind like in a in a weird kind of way. You 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 kind of pick you hear the name and you pick to the person straight away. You like you, I think yeah. I've, got, I've got a bit of a description. Um, He's the kind of guy who gives out wagon wheels on Halloween. Well, yeah, there's that. I get, I get. <laughs> <laughs> but I, can, I can see him. He's quite, he's quite, quite broad, quite rotund. Um, yeah. he, he might have a little bit of a belly, kind of like peeking out from the bottom of his t-shirt. Um, bit of slash from his pint. Um, and weather spoons from the scoops. He has a weather spoon, yeah. um, that sort of thing. I, um, which is like, no, I'm not like disrespecting anybody who, who does such a thing, um, because Lord knows I've done it, um, yeah. But yeah, no, that was the out of all three names, that was the one that that kind of like painted a picture straight away. Sally Ratatouille was just a silly name that I like. And I say Shay Crumble, it just it just evolved, and I like the sound of it. Shake, uh, uh, yeah, Shay Crumble rolls off the t- crumbles off the tongue. Or shakes off the tongue. What I've what I thoroughly enjoyed most of all, um, thoroughly, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed most of all was the fact that the robots have decided to take over because it sounded like they were so bored of what they'd been like programmed to do. enough. It wasn't like yeah. a case of. I know you'd see you mentioned that it, the, the uprising was decades in 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 the making kind of thing, but it wasn't like like you humans haven't like learned the true meaning of life or anything it's just like I'm fed up with being like of, yeah, of, yeah, of, yeah, yeah. too much so I'm going to like we need to stop we need, we need to kick off here like, I'm just, yeah, I'm that's just... exactly what I was going for because I thought of where have I actually seen robots um, and I obviously you know 
first thing you think is that big arm thing you always see on the telly at production lines of cars. So I kind of went for a, a really generic car name. Um, and then the the stupid, um, the arm again on the vendor machines just to stop your drink from fizzing. I just think is, is really a, a massive waste of roboticism. And then, yeah, the, the, the Milton Keynes one, um, I know that was quite specific, but that was because uh, I went to stay at my brother's house who lives in Milton Keynes and he got a co-op order delivered by a robot. It, it really is the future down south. <laughs> it really struggled on the curb, though. Like, it, it, it has to wait for people to help it if it gets stuck. Uh, so the, the robots need the humans, really, then, don't they? They do, Didn't. but don't let them hear that. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I uh, yeah, really enjoyed writing that one. Um, so I'm glad you thoroughly enjoyed it. So this story is called Nightmare Planet. Oh, I know. I'm it sounds like a again. Ripping. Oh, grip, you gripped already. I didn't know what you said. Um, I did very nearly do like a kind of laugh there, but I thought that was horror, horror weeks past. Anyway, here's the story Nightmare Planet. Aliens, I tell you, aliens. Philippa Bagpipe stood swaying in the farmer's arms as the locals either jeered her or ignored her. She was known throughout the village for two things her mad ravens and the horrible way she treated her dog, Pancake. Some nights, she'd blather and bellow out her obscure thoughts in the library, the local shop, or the church. Tonight, it was the pub. Poor Pancake, tethered to his lead, rolled his eyes as the cries of scatty mare drowned out Philippa Bagpipes to the point where she had no other choice but to leave the farmer's arms. It's your fault they don't believe me, Pancake, Philippa Bagpipes scolded as she walked the dog home. Millennia before and deep in the recesses of space, the three passengers of Andlig 7, a spaceship, slept soundly in their sleeping pods. Their names were Amber Bamboodle, Jasper Skidaro, and Captain Panache. Suddenly, an asteroid hit, smash, and an explosion, bang, and the spaceship found itself hurtling through space. The three passengers remained in a state of sleep, even while red warning lights were flashing and alarms were blaring. Emergency evacuation process activated. Emergency evacuation process activated. An electric voice repeated as each sleeping pod was ejected from Andlig 7. Each three of the passengers, still within the safety of their sleeping pods, fell through space and landed on, pause for suspense, Nightmare Planets. The first pod landed on Nightmare Planet and outstepped by Amber Bamboozle. Unsure of her surroundings, Amber Bamboozle stepped away from the pod, through the smoke, and into a classroom. She took a minute to adjust to her surroundings and saw her reflection in the classroom's clock. That was clock. What looked nice. back did not look like her, a short astronaut with brown sauce, brown hair, but a tall blonde in a suit. What the dickens, she asked, before reaching her watch to her mouth. And asking, Panache, come in, Panache. Panache, do you read me? A bell rang and a swarm of spotty teenagers fell into the room. Miss, Charlie asked me out and I don't really want to go out with him, but I like his brother, so do you think I should go out with Charlie so I can get close to his brother? Miss, my ear hurts. Miss, do we have to do maths today? Miss, maths? She was now a maths teacher. Suddenly, it dawned on Amber Bamboozle what had happened. 
Her and the rest of her team had clearly crashed landed on a planet where all their nightmares had come to life. Amber Bamboozle was now a maths teacher, the worst kind of teacher. But what horrible consequences had befallen her colleagues? Pancake? Pancake, where are you, you mangy mutt? Philippa Bagpipe stood at her back door and squinted at the darkness. She could just make out the shed, untouched since her late husband passed away into death, but nothing else. Pancake, you gruesome little beast, come back. Pancake scuttled from the back of the shed. He'd seemed to have grown attached to it and was always sniffing around it. Jasper Skedaddle's sleeping pod had malfunctioned on his way to Nightmare Planet, and even though it landed in the same vicinity as Amber Bamboozle's sleeping pod, his new life was more dangerous than being a math teacher, but just as nightmarish. He looked around his surroundings and realised that he worked in the snake enclosure at a zoo, and Jasper Skedaddle hated, capital letters, hated snakes. They were his only fear. He felt they were pure evil and always kept out of their way whenever he saw them. Oh, my days exclaimed Jasper Skedaddle. I've clearly landed on a planet where my own personal individual nightmares have come true. And that, if anyone else was to land on this planet, their own personal individual nightmares would also come true. But in this instance, sorry that again, but in this instance, mine, I'm facing my own personal individual nightmare, which is snakes. Maths, all day teaching maths. Amber Bamboozle said as the bell rang for what she thought was the end of the day. Walking to the door of the classroom, Amber Bamboozle opened it and stepping through found herself, not on the corridor, but back in the classroom with a new set of spotty teenagers all looking at her, waiting for her to teach them some maths. Dear me, she sighed as she fought back tears. Bang, bang, bang went the door. Philbert bagpipes, what the hell are you playing at? Timmy Mullet, one of the locals who had sent Philippa out of the pub, was banging on the door. Well, I'll go to the foot of our stairs, Philippa muttered, as she got to the top of her stairs. Philippa bagpipes, I know I don't know what you're doing, but you're waking up the neighbourhood. Philippa got down the stairs to the front door, interrupting Timmy Mullet's next set of bangs. Can I help you, Mr. Mullet? Philippa asked through the chain on her door. Yes. Can you please stop all that noise that's coming from your shed? Philippa turned to look at her back door. If there was anything in her shed, she'd have seen it through the opaque window of her back door. Alas, there was nothing there, and the noise Timmy Mullet had mentioned was no longer occurring. Just a sleeping pancake, flat out, get it, in his bed. Mm. Maybe I'm not the only scatty one in this here village, Mr Mullet, Philippa Bagpipes said, before closing the door in his face. In this following sequence... Just imagine Amber Bamboozle and Jasper Skedaddle constantly teaching maths and feeding snakes respectively over and over again to provide that montage feeling and to create the idea that they're stuck in a state of repeated hell or nightmares as per the title of the story. Panache, come in Captain Panache, Amber Bamboozle says hopefully into her watch, while Jason Skedaddle mutters, I can't do this anymore, when the planet plans to make him do it forevermore. Aliens, I tell you, aliens... Philippa stood in the village hall telling everyone present their seemingly nonsensical theories of life elsewhere in the universe. The village committee had only assembled to discuss whether they should paint the, the church door a different colour, and Philippa Bagpipes had once again commented the meeting with ravens about bright lights in the night sky, something UFO-like crashing down and little green men. Chester Draws, the chair of the committee, spoke up. Miss Bagpipes, we hear this every meeting and we're all getting a little bit tired of it. Can you please either sit down and shut up 
I will not be silenced, Philippa declared, with a face like the back of a shovel. Then please leave, Chester replied. Philippa scoffed and stormed for the door. Back at her home, Philippa backpipe searched out Pancake to begin a tirade. Earlier, he had stubbornly refused to accompany her to the committee meeting. Pancake, where are you? It's all your fault. If you'd been there, they'd have believed me. Pancake, where are you, you useless thing? Pancake. At that moment, the back door opened, allowing smoke to pour into the kitchen. Through it, like a Stars in the Rise contestant, stepped Pancake. But he looked different somehow. It might have been the fact that he was stood on his hind legs, the way his hair had been styled into a quiff, or the space-age jumpsuit he had on. Jumpsuit? Jumpsuit he had on. But he didn't look like the dog Philippa Bagpipes had treated so harshly for so long. Pancake? Actually, it's Panache. Captain Panache, you miserable old gargoyle. Philippa Bagpipes' eyes widened in disbelief. Aliens? She eventually stammered. Well, so are you, Philippa. For the past millennia or so, I have been trapped as your dog, frozen in time while I've been repairing my pod. With enough energy, I can fly it away and save the other members of my team from their respective bad dreams on this nightmare planet. But Philippa wasn't listening to this blatant exposition. Wide-eyed and open-mouthed, she ran out the front door and back towards the village hall where she was screaming and ranting more maniacally than ever before about aliens, but with the added detail that Pancake, her dog, was part of it all. The more furiously she ranted, the more vehemently Chester draws and the rest of the committee disbelieved her. As Captain Panache entered the pod and started his engine, he chuckled at the irony that he'd be leaving Philippa bagpipes to face her own nightmares, now heightened by the fact she now knew alien life was, in fact, real. On his way back to his home planet, Captain Panache rescued Amber Boozle from being a math teacher for the rest of her life and Jasper Skedaddle from being a snake handler forever. As they flew away from Nightmare Planet, Amber Bamboozle, back in her brown sauce hair state, turned to Captain Panache saying, Thank you so much for saving us, Captain. But what was that awful planet where we had to relive the worst things over and over again? Captain Panache chuckled before answering, It was a planet we shall never return to. And it was called... I think you know what I'm going to say there. Go on. That's right. The feedback is terrible. Yeah. Um. Funny story. (laughs) Ghastly. No, 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 not at all. Um. I think you know what I'm going to say there about your story. Thoroughly. Thoroughly enjoyed it. <laughs> yes, no, no. I mean, did did really enjoy it. Um, I I really enjoyed your. Um, I really enjoyed the ending. I enjoyed the fact that the planet was Earth. Um, I sort of cottoned onto that a, a, a few seconds before you said it, but it, it didn't make it any less enjoyable. Um, when you when you validated my three second theory that it was Earth. Um, I really, really enjoyed kind of the bouncing around between really, really um, just mundane. Again, you always say this, but mostly it's very British settings, you know, the village hall, the pub, um, and then suddenly, you know, you think this sort of you know, space uh, adventure will actually it does come back around kind of full circle and it is actually Earth. Um, yeah. 
So I, I yeah, really enjoyed that. Um, again, I I never I never fail to be anything but tickled thoroughly by your names, and I thought this week's were some of the best. Um, I was giggling at bagpipes, and then you threw in Chester drawers, which I thought was fantastic. I don't know why pancake for the dog was also uh, was really really good. Um, and I think my, my other bit of feedback, which is, is not relevant as much to the story, but it was just um, a bit of personal feedback. Um, it's it's a good thing that my wife doesn't share our sense of humour and therefore will not be listener number two um, because she's a math teacher, as you know. The yes. worst kind. The worst kind. That's not that's not a, that wasn't a slur on her, by the way. Yeah. It wasn't even it wasn't even a dig up maths teachers, and I've known a fair few through my time. Um, it was more a slur on on maths and the fact yes. that you have yes. So what's the job oh. that 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 includes maths? Like mm. literally all of the time. It's like oh yeah, be, and I I know what it's like to be a teacher. So imagine like I'm gonna do maths. Um, oh, the the what the was say just 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 uh, going back to the the trail things and picked up on your story as well. Um. I feel like every week, and, and this is a good thing, um, there has been um, a horror element to each of your stories, even on non-horror weeks. But it's it's yes. given me, and, and you mentioned it last week, and, and it, I'm certain you did, um, and I think this has been a big influence on both of us, Garth Marenghi. Yeah, I think I think that's a that's a I think that's a fair point. I think. Um... And I suppose it kind of, it can, uh, I suppose it kind of goes to the strength of horror as a genre. I suppose, um, in the sense that, or in, uh, certainly, certainly in my eyes, it's like a, a horror, like the horror genre, could mm. could be set anywhere. So yes. even though he, we were given sci-fi as a as a genre, it's like automatically I'm thinking, no, there's, well, there's Alien, um, yeah. I think there's a film called Life. I think was all as well. That kind of sunk into me into my brain a little bit as I was, I was writing that uh, like you say Goth Marenghi I think is like the series particularly uh, yeah. Goth Marenghi sliding doors yeah <laughs> all of that yeah that's horrific yeah. Uh, for a different reason um, that's alright that's, that's not the worst film in the world I've, I've seen plenty worse um, but no I think horror just seems to like emanate throughout all genres in a in a weird kind of way. There's always going to be elements of, of horror in, in most genres. Um, whereas you can't say that about about many other genres. Like as as I'm kind of like discovering with writing these stories. Um so yeah, so I think like Alien was was kind of like a big thing. Um, yes. in fact, like Nightmare Planet, the idea of, of having of having to like live out your own personal nightmare like all the time. It was it was, I suppose. I don't even know if I've ripped it off from something like from Goosebumps, like a nightmare house where kids go into a house and they've got yeah, like... Yeah, it does really... have a Goosebumps type of feel now you mention it, yeah. Yeah. Um, classics, by the way. Oh, I, but but um, rich on so many levels at the same time. I felt like I spoke to me when I was nine or whatever. Um, and I suppose, and as, as I was mentioning at the, at the beginning of the, the episode, is we are struggled with kind of like the ideas, because I think I started off thinking, what are the main sci-fi tropes? And mm-hmm. one of the big ones is that the story that you're reading or watching or whatever 
isn't actually taking place on the planet that you think and that you think it is. Do you know what I mean? Or um, it's all a dream or something. It's it's like yeah. everything's actually like 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 a robot or or an alien when when the when they're made out to be humans or whatever. Yeah. Um, but no, I think I, I once I kind of like got it in my head, and I suppose like the, I mean the names the names that I think are, are here to stay. Philip bagpipes. Yeah. I was trying to think. I was trying to think of a of a dog's name that 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 could go with that. So it was like Philip a bagpipe with something like milk. Do you know what I mean? Or orange juice? Do you know what I mean? Um, and then when I thought of the word, uh, sorry, when I thought of the name Captain Panache, mm. I thought, well, that, like she could easily get that mixed up. Yeah. Like yeah. so, if, if he turned up with a collar and it had a panache on it, she could just misread it and go on. Oh, you call pancake. I like that's that's kind of what I, what I had in mind. I was well, say, there's, there's another another connection to your other stories. It is the animal, though, isn't it? You know, last week, yes. um, Tony Tony Tuna Fish, the cat, yeah. you know, was was he did it and he did it again this week. Well, not the cat, but the animal did it this week. Yeah, yeah, that was that wasn't that I didn't kind of like set out to do that. I, I quite like the idea of somebody. The the original idea was somebody who's who's Leaves in aliens. They live in like a local village or a little, like a little town or a little village, and um, they believe in aliens, but nobody believes them, kind of thing. Um, and I, one idea, one idea I did have was that that they and their dog would be. In fact, I did I did toy with the idea of like maybe it should be Tony Tunafish in cat form again. Should be uh, abdu- abducted by aliens, and then when they come back down. Nobody believes the human, but everybody believes the dog, um, and and that was kind of like where we kind of spun from. And it's like, well, what what would the how would I, I genuinely couldn't think of how to end that. I thought it would, obviously like you could have a bit of fun with the dog making the human's life like live in hell kind of thing, but I didn't really know how to how how to end it apart from I don't know like the dogs just taking over the planet. And then yeah. I thought that's just Alan and the apes. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And I thought yeah. like. Like having a Statue of Liberty, but with a dog instead of a instead of a monkey, <laughs> instead of an ape, I should say. Um, so I did, I did, I did, I did toy with that, um, with that for a little bit. So I did kind of like in that sense, I did, I did struggle. But then as soon as I kind of like landed on this idea of like a nightmare planet, and then I thought, well, I need to make Philippa bagpipes quite mean and quite horrible. I don't want people to like her. So because ultimately I want her to, to end up living her own nightmare. Well, listen, that was that was a a thoroughly thoroughly good yarn. And so we come to the end of this episode where we reveal, or I should say the mystery reader has revealed the winner. I am increasingly nervous about this as the weeks go on. I know I can tell by the sound of your voice. So, our mystery reader writes, thank you for asking me to judge sci-fi, which is the worst of all genres. (laughs) (laughs) The writing in Nightmare Planet reminded me of Eric Morecambe, which is no bad thing. No, no. But the one I preferred was, the humans are dead, question marks? I mean, ah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I'm, 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 you, you can't see it because it's a podcast, but I'm doing my gracious loser face. With, <laughs> with, with, I'm doing with my very ungracious winner face right now. 
Yes, the one I preferred was the humans are dead question mark. I was more interested in the characters. I felt the jokes landed better and the story had me interested until the very end. Congratulations, Mara. Oh, thanks. I'm a little overwhelmed by that feedback. I'm, I'm surprised um, and grateful to, to receive the point this week, I have to say. No, 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 thoroughly. Well, I think... Thoroughly. I think it was a thoroughly, yeah, thoroughly. Got it in there. Um... I think it was a pretty much a close run thing. I think yeah. in in the sense that we we both kind of had um, similar issue, not similar issues, but similar kind of like stop startedness with writing the stories, um, and that in turn led to to. I don't want to say good because the whole point of this podcast is that they're not good; they are distinctly unpublishable, despite the fact that we thoroughly enjoy them. Um, but I think I think it was a I think it was a pretty close run thing this week, um, and our mystery reader seems to seems to think likewise when he's saying that. I mean, the fact that he compared Mike to, to Eric Morecambe and saying oh, it's no bad I thing. I mean, I mean, I'll tell you what. I think we can both take a compliment there because you know Eric Morecambe. I, I love Eric Morecambe. Um, yes. So the fact that yours was compared to Eric Morecambe and I still got the point. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah and do you know what? In, in your own way. You you remind me of Eric Morecambe. <laughs> it's the glasses, you've, isn't it? It's the glasses. Got, well, yeah, you've you've got you've got the 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 little tilt of the glasses to a T. You know, you, you you land a line and you tilt those glasses. I I'm jealous. You know, I, I wore glasses for um, a six year spell, age four to age ten, um, and I went for an eye test a couple of years back, and and I was gutted to find out I didn't need glasses. I can poke you in the eye if you want. <laughs> um, I, I don't know if that would necessitate glasses. I think it'd be quite painful. Um, and yeah, I don't know if it's something a lens would, would correct. But um, I appreciate the sentiment. Oh well, well the offers the offers are always there. But no, uh, you know what? Congratulations! Ah, thank you very much. We've gone from being really polite to I'd poke you in the eye. <laughs> <laughs> there was some kicking and some crotches as well, but we're not going to do that. No, not not from this distance. Anyone listening? Uh, Andrew is sat in that witness, whereas I am in Northumberland. So this is a long distance relationship. My word! Can I just say how um, how unglamorous you made me sound there? You sign witness, <laughs> and you got Northumberland. You could have said Cheshire. <laughs> I wasn't. I wasn't particularly uh, confident on my geography, so that's why. I, that's why I played it. <laughs> but no, congratulations. Um, you two one ahead. So our, as well as some feedback in this week's result, our mystery reader has also provided us with next episode's genre, which is the western. Um, trying to think of something to say, like within. Within a little pause that I did, but I couldn't think of like a particularly westerny kind of phrase. So, uh, me neither, partner. Yeah. So, well, yeah, I'd say I'm looking forward to the next one, but um, I feel like it's going to be too old because I, I, I'm a struggling. But you know, we'll we'll see. We'll see what it brings. But you, you, that's this is the thing with the mystery reader. You just don't know where they're going to land. What what what's gonna tickle their fancy when it comes to our stories? We just we just can't we just can't guess it from one episode to the next. Yeah. 
No. So I suppose there's only one thing left, which is to bid you and our listener adieu. Yeah, goodbye, fair listener, whoever you are. And we hope you thoroughly enjoyed the podcast. Cue the music. <laughs>